Welcome to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shirtliff. This show is heard on WBCQ The Planet every Monday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, broadcast out of beautiful Monticello, Maine in Arista County. Way up a little where Route 95, I-95 ends, and it's about 20 miles north of there. And I'll be up in that beautiful neck of the woods later on this month. Um, And right now, um, I I record this a few days in advance, generally. And I'm using uh, TalkShoe, which um, is an online uh, conferencing entity. And they've got a brand new format. And this is the third time, the third show I've done. And I finally figured out how to get the sound. So anyway, hopefully this will be a, a better system than the one before. Generally speaking, when you do something new, you kind of long for the old stuff. And then once you get the hang of it, you say, oh, this is great. You can't live without it. Anyway, this show is brought to you by Camp Constitution, which runs, among other things, a week-long family camp. And as you're listening to this show, our camp is, uh, is um, going on. And at the Lakeside Christian Camp and Conference Center in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Uh, next year's camp is uh, penciled in for the July 21st, the 20, 20th of that week, 2019. We have not signed a contract yet, but we got it penciled in, and that looks like a go for us. And anyway, um, thanks for listening to us. You can also hear the show on Podomatic.com as well as uh, our YouTube channel. So please subscribe to both. Uh, follow us on Podomatic and also on our YouTube channel and, uh, and on Facebook. Uh, <clears throat> this show, I want to talk a little bit about the topic of treason. We've heard the term thrown around a lot lately by, surprisingly enough, folks on the left. <clears throat> in the last, in my lifetime, I'm 59, uh, when the term treason is used, it's usually by conservative or right-wing types uh, criticizing people on the left. Um, of course, the word treason, there's a general term, and sometimes we even use it if you switch your allegiance to a baseball team, you're, you've betrayed your team, or you do something like, you know, something frivolous. Oh, you, you don't, you drink Coke and now you drink Pepsi, you're a traitor and so forth. But treason has a legal definition. And when I'm using the term treason in this context, it has to be the legal definition. And uh, let me simply read Article 3, Section 3 of the U.S. Constitution that uh, defines treason. It says, treason against the United States shall consist only in leveling war against them. Notice it says them, not it. Uh, uh, Or in adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort. No person shall be convicted of treason unless on the testimony of two witnesses to the same overt act or on confession in open court. The Congress shall have power to declare the punishment of treason, but no attainer of treason shall work corruption of blood or forfeiture except during the life of the person attained. So, uh, and that, by the way, means that if a person is imprisoned or jailed or executed, that their property can be inherited, it doesn't go to the state in other countries when um, historically when someone was accused of treason they would um, basically kill them so anyway uh now back last fall a uh, a gentleman i i should use the word gentleman because i don't think he is he stalks uh, conservative ladies and harasses them and flips people the middle fingers gentlemen don't behave that way but a man named ryan clayton uh <clears throat> was at the capitol 
and he was throwing little plastic makeshift Russian flags and President Trump's direction. He somehow snuck in there. Not sure how he got in there. He had some probably had some kind of press credentials and he yelled, Trump is treason, Trump is treason, treason, treason. Now, it's kind of interesting that a man like him, a far leftist, he used to <coughs> he used to work for um Cenk Uger, the repulsive uh, character in the young, the founder of Young Turks, uh, his organization was um, Wolfpack, an organization uh, working hard to rewrite the Constitution via a, an Article 5 convention. Uh, and he's no longer with them, but he's still, no doubt, sympathetic. Anyway, uh, he was arrested, but he's using the word treason. So when you say treason, you have to, uh, first off, you have to, it has to be defined by the Constitution here. It also saying that you believe that your nation is sovereign, that the concept of sovereignty is a viable concept. Well, most liberals are internationalists, and a lot of Republicans are too, by the way, uh, globalists, uh, the neocons, we call them. Uh, so if you believe in open borders and the Constitution is living and breathing, and you don't believe in sovereignty, uh, immigration laws are not right, and what have you, then... Um, you can't really call person uh, guilty. Say that tre they're treasonous. That's not now. Uh, even if Trump did collude with Putin, we're not at war with Russia. We're not at war right now with anyone. We haven't been at war with any any country since World War II. So uh, unless you're at war, or in, in the case where uh, waging war. Well, let's say that I just decide to form a little group and go after and blow up some military installations. That would be treason because I'm, I'm warring against uh, the United States, even if I'm not affiliated with a foreign country. So uh, I did some research and discovered that historically in the United States, not many people have been found guilty of treason. And uh, it looks like only one was ever executed. And that was, to me, a real gross, uh, horrible injustice. Um, there's been lots of people tried for treason. Uh, for example, <coughs> Aaron Burr, who had been vice president under Thomas Jefferson, that he was acquitted. And there have been people tried for espionage. Now, uh, the, the Rosenbergs, for example, right after World War II, they were guilty of giving atomic secrets to the Soviets. We were not at war with the Soviets. We did have, there was uh, tension and hostility and so forth. We still had diplomatic relations, and so there was no state of war that existed. So treason, and lots of uh, people over the years, the Walkers, uh, the Walker case, uh, FBI over the years, certain agents have been involved in giving secrets to even friendly countries that are considered allies. Uh, there was a Jonathan Pollard, I think, was uh, late 1980s, early 1990s, he was giving intelligence to the Israelis that are supposed to be a friendly nation. And I think he got a really stiff sentence. I don't know what's ever happened to him, if he's still in jail or not. But uh, so you can still give technology to friendly nations and uh, and still be put in jail for it. So let me just r read those short list of people that have been found guilty of treason. And by the way, it used to be States used to have laws against treason, and it looks like states were a little more tough, tougher on uh, treason, uh, but that was done away with by the infamous Warren Court. I think it was called the Nelson case, where a person was found guilty of treason against a state, and the Warren Court uh, threw the case out, and, and of course they had no right to, to uh, invalidate all of state laws that did have states that had laws against treason, but he did. 
And uh, in fact, um, John Brown was found guilty of treason against Virginia. That was kind of interesting. So let me just read this list here. First, uh, Philip Vigel <coughs> and John Mitchell, these were men that were involved in the Whiskey Rebellion that took place in, um, in Pennsylvania during the <coughs> administration of George Washington. There were a number of other people that were tried, but they were the only two found guilty, and George Washington gave them a pardon, so they were never executed or jailed. Then there was the uh, Fry's Rebellion that happened about four or five years later during the John Adams administration. These were Dutch Pennsylvania farmers, uh, and John Fry's was found guilty of treason. He was pardoned by John Adams. They thought this was very politically charged, and and so he, he pardoned them. Um, then, uh, let's see, during the Civil War, this took place, I think it was in Louisiana, uh, and it was a, a Confederate man by the name of William Bruce Mumford had taken down a U.S. flag and stomped on it or just taken it down. And for that, he was found guilty of treason and actually hanged. I think that's a little bit over the top. I don't think he should have been hanged. Um, in fact, there's some dispute whether or not it was actually uh, U.S. territory at the time. It was... Uh, Right, I guess between the an engagement and it had not been officially occupied by Union forces, so it was not under Union control. Nevertheless, uh, that to me, I think, was a gross violation, a gross injustice. Then there was a miners' march in the early 1920s, and a Walter Allen was found guilty of treason. He was given, I think, a 10 or 20 year sentence. He wasn't executed, and. He was uh, he appealed the case. He was out on parole and he never came back. I don't know whatever happened to Mr. Allen. Uh, maybe he went to Canada. And this to me, uh, the one here I'm mentioning, Martin James Monty. This was, I think, probably one of the worst examples. He was a U U.S. Army Air Corps officer in World War II. He ended up uh, stealing a plane and flying it into Nazi airspace and, and ended up uh, becoming an SS officer. Um, he claimed that he he never officially warred against the United States. He said uh, he was an anti-communist and he thought the Nazis were on the right page when their um, their opposition to the Soviet Union. He was given a lengthy sentence and paroled in 1960. And then there was uh, Tokyo Rose, who used to broadcast propaganda uh, against the U.S. So against the United States. Um, Iva. Diavino, I think was her name, and I think she was uh, given parole. She was given a lengthy prison sentence, and there was a few other uh, of those World War II uh, folks that were broadcasting for the enemy, uh, but none of them were executed, so it hasn't happened that many times, but there are people who have been very much over the years guilty of, I think, espionage or uh, subversion, maybe, and I can give you a few some recent examples, but let me give you a little a little historical background. The Soviets took the communist revolution took place in um, 1917. The Bolsheviks took over, and and since then, uh, up until uh, what was referred to as the, the demise of the Soviet Union and what the early 90s, late 80s, uh, the United States, I should say, elements within our country have taken a key role in aiding and abetting that that entity, that empire. As far back as 1917, um, we, we actually um, supported elements within our country. 
we let out a uh, an official uh, in New York. Um, his name will come to me in a few minutes. Uh, he was uh, end up uh, falling out of favor with Lenin and executed in Mexico. I just had a mental block, but he was put on a uh, a ship with two million dollars worth of gold, and his ship was stopped by the Canadians. You see, his goal was to take the uh, Russians out of out of the war, World War One. And at that time, uh, Russia was an ally of Canada and Great Britain, and um, it would have obviously put most more German soldiers on the Western Front. So uh, it was a good idea not to stop this guy. So uh, Wilson, President Wilson, uh, the Canadian official, stopped him. At the, the ship had, had stopped. I think it was Nova Scotia, perhaps. I can't recall exactly. And um, the... Uh, Wilson sent a telegram, said, let them go. And they ended up going to Russia and the rest is history. So that's a, a, one example of, uh, I think, treachery back uh, in the early, uh, uh, over 100 years ago. And then um, in the 1930s, we established diplomatic relations with the Soviet Union, knowing full well of Stalin's atrocities and crimes, the Ukrainian famine that killed millions, several million people died of the horrible policies and not only that but the soviet union was advocating world revolution they had agents all over the world in every continent and every country fomenting revolution and riots and all kinds of miserable things and of course some people are in denial they don't want to believe that that actually happened uh they took over hollywood they had a lot of agents in um here in the united states and in certain unions in public education and on and on so they were very active, um, and it was because we established diplomatic relations. So they had embassies and consuls, and bingo, their agents are coming in. They were coming in covertly, but now they were coming in overtly with uh, diplomatic uh, immunity. Then there was um, World War II. We did everything in our power to help them, um, aid and trade and abetting. Uh, and, of course, they were supposed to be our allies, even though they kept some of our the so-called liberated POWs, American POWs that never came back. And they knew that. Um, they knew that they were involved with some horrible atrocities and crimes and genocide. And it wasn't seemed to be a big issue uh, among our, our into the elite or the deep staters at the time. Then uh, during uh, in the 50s, there was uh, bridge building. And, um, and then in the 60s, Pugwash conferences, scientists saying, hey, we, gotta, we have to do what we can. Uh, we have to be their friends. We have to prove that we're not hostile. And if we prove that not, we're not hostile, they'd be less hostile. And then in the 70s, we were giving them technology, some serious technology. In fact, technology that made them, um, their missile systems are very deadly. They were able to, um, what they call, merge their missiles, multiple reentry vehicles. They were able to put multiple warheads on top of each other and launch them uh, using these miniature ball bearings, which they could only get in one place in the United States. And it was Henry Kissinger. At the time, he was with the Nixon administration that actually threatened to destroy a company. There was a ball bearing company in Springfield, Vermont, unless they sold, and they eventually sold. And, of course, the old ad is, well, if they didn't get them from them, they would have got them someplace else. Well, this was the only place that made them at the time. So that was a lie. Um, then Ronald Reagan, you remember Ronald Reagan and uh, the treaties that he signed, the unratified, I think it was the SALT II treaty that Jimmy Carter negotiated, uh, never approved, but Ronald Reagan abided by it. 
And um, our friend Charlotte Isabet, uh, when she was working for the Reagan administration's uh, Department of Education, she learned that the uh, Soviets were involved in our education system, and she was a whistleblower, and that didn't sit too well. And, and so on and on. Uh, in fact, there's some well-documented books out there. One uh, There was a man by the name of Professor Anthony Sutton. He was out of the Hoover Institute. And he was an incredible researcher. In fact, he was supposed to speak at the 1972 Republican Convention on the subject of giving aid and trade to the Soviet Union. And when they discovered what he was going to talk about, he was uninvited. That was pretty interesting. 1974, he wrote a book called National Suicide. I think the subtitle was USA to the Soviet Union. And he documents all of the technology, all of the trade, all of the money that was transferred to the Soviet Union. Actually, there's another book that came out much earlier than that. It was called Major Jordan's Diaries. You can find it on Amazon for very short money. Major Racy Jordan was in charge of the land lease program during World War II. And he documents that not only did we give them heavy water, he didn't know what heavy water was at the time, but he kept copious notes. We gave them all kinds of te technology. We gave them patents from the patent office. And we collaborated with him to do this disgusting thing called Operation Keelhaul. And he kind of documents all of this in his book from Major Jordan's diaries. But back with Anthony Sutton. So Anthony um, wrote uh, some, some books after that, subsequent books. One of them was called um, Wall Street and the Rise of Hitler, Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution. And he wrote a book called The Best Enemy Money Can Buy. So uh, there's a series of books that he wrote on this subject. And it's, uh, it's out there. It's, so when you hear these Democrats yeah, talking about Trump and treason and collusion, they and most of these people, uh, people like Maxine Waters, she knows exactly what was going on. Uh, they call her Mad Max. I don't think she's very mad. I think she's a very cool and deliberate individual. She might come across as wacky, but they know it. She knows what exactly what she's doing. Uh, <clears throat> then let's look at um, some some uh, individuals uh, that we can name personally. How about David Rockefeller? Now he passed away a few years ago. He was in his mid nineties. In two thousand and four, he wrote his autobiography. It was called Memoirs. And it's in hardback and paperback version. And if you go to the chapter he had on internationalism, you can read where he's actually confessing. And I'm not, I don't have the actual page <clears throat> in front of me, but I'm paraphrasing a little bit. He said that people on the far left and far right have accused him and his family, or his family and me, of uh, being part of a cabal for a one world government. And he said, to that, I plead guilty, and I am proud of it. But I didn't hear any of these media pundits uh, criticize David Rockefeller for being uh, involved in collusion. Calling No one called him a traitor. I mean, no one called him a traitor. People did call him a traitor. But I didn't hear any, any uh, even the major conservatives. I didn't hear a Mark Levin. I don't know if Mark Levin was on the air in 2004. Um but I know Sean Handy was. I know Rush Limbaugh was. I didn't hear any of these men say a word about this book. I didn't see any investigation. I didn't see the FBI. This was during the Bush administration. So the Republicans could have uh, made an issue about it, but nothing, not a word. Well, how about during the Bill Clinton administration? Now, as Bill was giving technology to the Chinese. He was giving them uh, aircraft engines, high-tech aircraft engines, and 
these Chinese know how to reverse engineer and they know how to uh, duplicate. They're, they're very good at that. But his uh, FBI director, Louis Free, went over to Moscow, Russia, and he opened up an office at the FBI. And he, he uh, shared a stage with his FSB, uh, former KGB counterpart, whose name I can't recall offhand. And he said, together we are invincible. Wait a minute now. You're invincible. The FBI has a domestic domestic um, mission. There's nothing there. It's not supposed to open up offices in Moscow and then uh, talking about being invincible with, um, with, the, so, with, with what used to be the Soviet Union. So... Uh, I recently heard just a few days ago, somebody on NPR, he was giving a speech. I think it's Maxwell. He just wrote a book about how evil Trump was and the four or five year collusion with Putin. Maybe it should be in the fiction section. But he's there talking about how, boy, 2012, Trump collaborated with Putin and the man who runs Channel One and this whole I'm telling you, I said, boy, I said, Trump must be one of the most evil and most shrewdest spies in the nation's history to be able to pull that off without anybody knowing. But he didn't mention anything about the FBI setting up a office in Moscow. He didn't mention anything about Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State uh, in, in negotiating a deal that landed her um, foundation about a half a million dollars for her husband's speaking engagement. Boy, Paying old Bill a half a million dollars to get up there and mumble a few words. I tell you, uh, he must be really incredible. Something to say. What he probably gives a speech of a hundred words, and you know, it's kind of even each word is it's pretty expensive. Um, not a word about uh, that. And this was in 2010. You can actually go uh, online and put in uh, Hillary Clinton uranium, and you'll find an article from the New York Times. The New York Times actually said that. I didn't hear anybody. I didn't hear Ryan Clayton. I didn't hear Cenk Uga call it, say anything about treason and Trump is treason or Hillary's treason. In fact, he supports that. They, these folks support this. And most of the um, the people on the left in the Democrat Party and a good chunk of them in the Republican Party are really globalists. They put the interest of what they call the international community first. Uh, and then they turn around and say that Trump is involved in treason. That is really remarkable, and I think it needs to be exposed. I think that the this treachery that's been going on, this betrayal, uh, whether it be treaties, whether it be deals working out uh, over the years, it's always the United States is on the losing end. And as the uh, late secretary, the first secretary of defense, James Forrestal, said, uh, he said that uh, consistency has never been the mark of stupidity. He said, our di when our diplomats, uh, our diplomats, he said, were merely stupid, they would occasionally make a mistake in our favor. And folks, they have never made mistakes in our favor. But that tells you they know exactly what they're doing when they're giving aid in trade and technology. Uh, during the Reagan administration, I was a uh, young man right out of the Army, and I enthusiastically voted for Ronald Reagan the first time around. I think it was within a year. I see that uh, I noticed that he was one of the first things he did was to bail out communist Poland with taxpayers money. That's the very first one of the first acts he did. Uh, and of course, you, you're supposed to be a If you're a conservative, you're supposed to be a hero. You're supposed to have a picture of him on your office wall and look at him as the great, the great, the great communicator. Well, he communicated. All right. I can't I give you that. He communicated uh, with the Chinese and helped the Chinese communists and helped 
uh, built their steel industry. Um, but Ronald Reagan also sent a half a billion dollars worth of military hardware to communist China. And that's when I started looking at it and said, something's not right here. I said, uh, I don't want to buy into this notion that the Chinese communists are the good communists and the Russians are the bad communists and that we need to help the good communists to fight the bad communists. You know, if you told me the MS-13 gang uh, on one side of town is better than this uh, uh, Syrian gang or gang from the Sudan and that we should support MS-13 uh, over this other gang, I said, no, no, you don't support any gang. Uh, they're criminals and you just don't deal with them. So um, I'll, it's just a uh, overwhelming amount of evidence that I really uh, encourage people to get a hold of and look at. Anthony Sutton's books, you can actually, you don't even have to buy his books on Amazon. You can go to our YouTube channel and just put his name in and you'll find the lecture he gave and some interviews too uh, on the subject. Uh, he passed away, oh boy, he was up in years. I think he passed away in the late 90s, early 2000s. But in fact, he was harassed by the Clinton administration. Um, I don't know, the IRS went after him. It's interesting too that uh, we, we hear about how evil Trump is, but as far as I know, Trump hasn't, hasn't used the IRS to go after his political opponents like uh, Obama did. I think Bush did. I know Nixon did. Uh, and it isn't it is interesting, too, that these people on the far left, these so-called progressives and free thinkers, are pretty much advocating what the deep state's advocating. Here's John Brennan. Here's another guy, former director of the CIA. In 1976, he proudly voted for Communist Party Gus Hall for president. That man isn't qualified to be a parking lot attendant, and forgive me for, for all the good people who have that as a job. Uh, he's not qualified. He, does, he should never been a CIA agent at all. He shouldn't even been in a CIA informant because he wouldn't be able to trust a man like that. He became its director under Obama. That's how, outra that's how outrageous uh, this is. And then these guys are appealing to the patriotism of the average American? You've got to be kidding me. Uh, and by the way, the CIA has never been a patriotic pro-American entity. It was renamed, it was called the OSS, the Office of Strategic Services during World War II. We didn't really have a much of an intelligence agency because you know we were a sovereign nation. We didn't uh, poke around, although we started doing it in, um, you know, in the Spanish-American War, World War I, but we didn't have spies all over the world where we do now. Um, so the OSS was set up during World War II. It was run by a name named Red Donovan, Bill Donovan, General Bill Don Donovan. And uh, I, he was once, a, he's, he was once uh, it was brought to his attention that communists have infiltrated his organization. He said, oh, no, no, no. They haven't infiltrated. We hire them. They want communists in the organization. And it got so controversial that they had to change the name of the play, uh, thing to the CIA. And uh, Alan Dulles, the brother of John Foster Dulles, was the one who um, first uh, ran that. And uh, they were always internationalist, anti-American. Uh, yeah, they had window dressing. There was probably a few decent uh, individuals in the, over the years, some patriotic Americans. But uh, they've never been friendly to liberty and freedom whatsoever. And all of a sudden, they're all patriots. The left has always hated the CIA, always hated the FBI. Uh, you know, in the 60s, uh, Abby Hoffman and his, and his uh, yippies 
would answer the phone, blankety blank, J. Edgar Hoover, you know, assuming that they're they're bugged. Now they all love the FBI. Why is that? Is it because it's now it was Obama's FBI and Bill Clinton's FBI? And when it's under their control, it's doing righteous things. It's promoting democracy around the world. And the minute uh, a Republican, especially a non-aligned Republican like Trump comes in office, all of a sudden, uh, you know, you can't trust them anymore. Uh, or, or the FBI, full of Obama appointees, is a noble entity fighting this evil dictator, uh, Trump. So let me also, we get another about a minute and a half. Let me recommend uh, another author, a man named Gary Allen. <clears throat> I may have mentioned his name in the past. He died in 1988, but um, he was a brilliant writer. He's actually a history teacher. And in 1972, he wrote a book called None Dare Call It Conspiracy. It was co-authored by Larry Abram, Abraham. And paperback, and if you go to Amazon, it's still a big seller. You know, it's been put back in print a few times. Well, back in the early mid-70s, it was put in numerous times. But I think even recently, it was put back in print. You can get a copy between 5 and $10. It's about 130 pages. It's uh, what they call a mass market paperback. But it kind of goes into some of the things I said. And, um, and Gary Allen wrote some brilliant things. And he also wrote The Rockefeller File. And his last book was called um, Say No to the New World Order. Yeah, you remember Daddy Bush calling for a new world order? A UN is envisioned by its founders. Anyway, folks, I just got a few seconds left. I want to thank you for listening to Camp Constitution Radio. Um, and uh, until next week, may God bless you. And uh, please visit our website, campconstitution.net.